Coming out this Thursday on Beyond the Vibe, I'm joined by the front woman of Planet Rock's best new band of 2023. It's Rhiannon Hill of Kira Mack. They said, you want to audition for The Voice, and I was like, not really. I was literally like, I've done it twice now. You don't, you're not interested, you don't want it. I'm going to get to the same place that I got to the last two times. I'm not interested. And they're like, please, please audition. And I was like, right, okay then. I was in my work uniform. I worked at a dog place. I worked at a doggy daycare. I was covered like mud up to my knees, covered in dog hair, bun on my head. Horrendous. Looked like this. I was awful. And then I got through and they were like, we want you to invite you down to London. <laughs> and I was like, I can't leave. I just did the audition. We can do it. And Joe was like, we've got no money. And I was like, literally, I've got life savings. I'm like, mm. she Like, imagine just being in a room with her for an hour as a singer. Like, she's next level. She's so good. Oh, wait, can I turn? So I'm here with Rhiannon of Kira Mack. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. A thing I like to do is uh, I like to come, you know, go back to the beginning, the early years of a musician, as I feel, you know, it shapes who they're going to go on and be as an artist. So what first got you in, into wanting to become a musician? Well, um, from a really young age, I was like, God, I, from as long as I can remember, my mum is Welsh. So my mum is from South Wales. She's from the Valleys. And um, I'm from a very, like, working class background. And they moved up to Stoke, where I'm from. Um, because my granddad worked on the mines. Mm. So they all sang, like, all the time, all the time. And, like, my uncle was on a show called Opportunity Knox, which was X Factor back in the day. And um, my mom and her two sisters, they all sang. So, like, my uncle, my mom, and my aunt, Tanya, my aunt, so they all sang. And my nan was, like, the catalyst. She was, like, the driving force. She was, like... She was like the OG momager. She was Chris Jenner, like 1960s <laughs> edition. Honestly, she was like hardcore. Like she wanted my uncle Keith to sing on TV, and she wanted like my mom and my like other two aunts to like open up for him singing. She was a proper like momager. So um, it was like always like in in like the vibe, and um, like growing up, I used to always just sing all the time. Like I used to have, I love Spice Girls. Obviously when I was very little, that was just very present. I was born in like 1995. So I'm like a late nineties baby. And then there was, at the time as well, there was Britney Spears. I went to see Crossroads, the Britney Spears film, dressed as Britney Spears. Like there was such good, like girl power role models. And then as I got older, like, my dad is mad into rock. My mum is like mad into soul and Motown. Mm. So I had like a really eclectic upbringing and I had like Queen and Led Zepp and Stevie Nicks and stuff. And I'd be going to school and kids would be listening to like Spice Girls and stuff like that. But I was like Mike and the Mechanics and people were like, what? <laughs> and one day my mum came in from like food shopping and I was jumping from the coffee table to the sofa and like headbanging and I was five and because my dad had got sex pistols on. So I, I just grew up around music it, all the time. My dad used to be a DJ. He's a really, mm. really, really bad drummer. Um, and when I, like, it was just kind of like a lot of little things. My nan sang, 
we lived in a pub when I was like 13. Um, we had an open mic. I wanted to learn guitar. I got a guitar for my birthday. Um, just a little like 50 quid Burswood. That's my dog. <laughs> just casually. <laughs> um I got like a little Burswood and and like I started like singing and learning how to play because I wanted to write songs. And Taylor Swift had just come out, which is like so like present at the minute because obviously she's mm -hmm. on the intro, it's like huge. But Taylor Swift had like just come out and she just released like Love Story. And that was it for me. It was it was like the middle ground I needed between Spice Girls, Britney Spears growing up, Dad is like mad into Led Zeppelin and Queen and stuff. It was the middle ground of a girl that played guitar that wrote her own songs. And I was like, mm. this is what I want to do. The between that and like Dolly Parton and Stevie Nicks, that's like my like beginnings of being like, oh my God, I want to sing. And then it kind of snowballed from there, really. My mum wouldn't let me do anything musical properly until I'd finished school. She said, you've got to get grades. So in case you fail, you can get a real job. <laughs> but I immediately I went to college and did um, travel and tourism because I wanted to be air cabin crew because I just wanted to travel. And um, I said to my mom, I was like, she was like, so are you going to be an air hostess now when I finish college? And I was like, no, I'm going to go back and do music. And she was like, <laughs> they've always been so supportive. But at the same time, like, obviously, you don't want your child to be like just free ball in it, which is basically what I've done my entire life. And then obviously I went to uni, did music again met joe mm. and then the band is a whole whole different question <laughs> yeah yeah i mean for those that are that are new to kira mike um i'm sure there'll be people that'll be going i kind of recognize you from the voice that kind of thing how would you describe the band's sound like who who kira mac are you know what this is such a good question actually because like i say i grew up on literally all the music when i was like i did cruise ships for a bit and people would be like what do you oh, what do you sing and i'm like everything mm -hmm. i literally sing everything 60s 70s 80s soul motown northern soul rock pop blues country jazz like i literally i got thrown when was, like on my feet basically like when i was 17 i was like right i want to go out and i want to sing and i want to cut my teeth like that's what i want to do i need if i'm going to get good at performing gotta go and perform so that's what I was like, I want to do. So I kind of like, I have like super, super broad, like brain of like melody and lyrics. Like I've got like no boundaries really. And Joe is like mad into one week. He's got Ray Jensen Machine's album on. Next week, he's got Joe Bonamassa's album on. Then he's listening to like um, Post Malone. And then this week he's got like Hardy's album on. So Joe has got such like a, like vast like musical knowledge as well and when I met Joe it was just me and him and he played drums he was the drummer in the band and um he was sitting on these songs and I was like you know School of Rock where he's like I have a don't be sitting on songs we had <laughs> songs um and um he plays drums and bass and guitar as well so Joe was like making these demos in his room at uni and I was like went in one day and I was like what is that and it ended up it was the riff he'd recorded for one way ticket but I was like, oh, my God, that's insane. That's so good. Like, keep writing. Like, just keep writing. It's amazing. Then we went into a lockdown, which was perfect for us because we sat and wrote. But the sound kind of, it depends what Joe's listening to. It genuinely, genuinely does. And then it kind of goes through the Kira Mac machine. That's what Alex calls it. 
and go to the Kira Mac machine and everybody puts their little, because like you've got Brett who's like mad into glam rock. So his influences are like Lemmy is his like bass idol. And then, but then he like loves like Poison and his middle name is literally Michael. Like he's called Brett Michael. (laughs) (laughs) We made him get his driving license out when he first joined the band because we didn't believe him. Yeah. (laughs) And then you've got Alex who's like, looks like Izzy Stradlin like sicked him out. And then you've got Joe, who's just a weird little anomaly of mashup. Then you've got Max, who's like literally like a theatrist who think Lim- thinks Limp Biscuit is like an old band. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and t- together it goes through this like process of like everybody has their own little bit of flair, which then makes it. My mom's just dropped a cup of tea in for me. It's all right. Go for it. <laughs> So it goes through this like whole process of um, just everybody adding their own little bit of flair. And then that becomes our sound. And we had some labels interested and they were saying like, we want a country rock vibe. We want a this vibe. And we we really sat down and like wrote, wrote to a brief for a while. And we did. We wrote like country rock songs and we wrote heavier songs. And we kind of had like two parts to the album, mm. next album. And we just spent the time now just like filling in that gap because if you listen to Chaos's Call and you've literally got like super duper heavy riffage where you can tell Joe's been listening to Metallica and then you've got like an out and out ballad or like an out and out acoustic song that I would write and take to Joe and Joe would put his flair on it and that's how far an old water. So it's, it's, I don't really know what box to put us in. I think it's just music. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's a good thing, you know, because you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Obviously you've got the overarching sound of Kiramak there, but there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not entirely predictable. And I think that's a good thing. You know, it's, yeah. it keeps it fresh. Definitely. And I think like just the most important part about it all is just making songs that you love. Like I imagine, mm. I remember Joe wrote, imagine what we could have been. And he got like, and he's like, he's like, and I was like, Joe, it sounds like we're trying to be the Rolling Stones. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not under because I do this a lot. I'm not, I'm not buying it, Joe. And then Joe put something else on it. Like Alex has just bought a synth, so now we've got like loads of synths going on. So now we're bringing me the horizon as well. Um, <laughs> but um, they'll put something on it, and I'll be like, actually, I love that. Yes. And when we were in the studio, like imagine what we could have been. I had nothing for it. We got to mm. the studio, and I literally, I was in the booth, like writing lyrics, like I had nothing for it i was like it's just not and now it's one of my favorite songs and it's so fun and so different to like a lot of the other songs in the album but then you've got like how far in holy water which is acoustic i wrote in lockdown and then joe had written a song that was in the same key so we mashed them together um and all that kind of stuff and i think like i don't think we need to be put in a box and i think like Mm. We wanted some, I went on an album where there was something for everyone. There was something for the old country fans that I had. There was something for my dad. There was something for mom. Like my mum likes it. And my mum's like not really into like rock or anything like that. And my mum's like jamming along to Chaos is Calling. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, she is my mum. So that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Slight bias there, maybe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, she would tell me. She would tell me. I came down the stairs one day in white jeans and she was like, they are awful. <laughs> so there is no and i think i'm very much like that as well like i'm super duper like straight talking i'm not straightforward but i'm i'm straight talking and i think that kind of like comes off with the boys because the boys know like mm. <laughs> the boys are just like real tell you whether it's got <laughs> bad. 
Um, of course, you know, Chaos Calling was greeted with critical acclaim. You know, um, it was an independent release, which, you know, despite that, you've kind of gone on. You've had a lot of Planet Rock airtime. Of course, now you've had um, you've been nominated Best New Band. Well, one Best New Band, sorry. Yeah. Um, voted by the fans. I mean, I think that's an extra something there, isn't it? When it's Definitely. when it's fans. What what's this period been like for you? I mean, debut album. I mean, obviously you had the voice just before that. That that was that was kind of a cool experience, I imagine. Honestly, like we could not have like unbeknownst to me, like we couldn't have planned that better. So obviously we came out of lockdown in 2021, like the like the summer was like June, July or something. We came mm. out of lockdown. And then me and Joe had written, I think we got like seven songs or something. And Joe was like, what are we going to do with them? And I was like, we're going to record an album. Mm. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, we're going to go and record an album. Like everybody else is doing it. Like Revival Black were on the scene at the time. Florence Black were on the scene. Mason Hill. Like everybody was like going and just recording their own albums. And I was like, we can do it. And Joe was like, we've got no money. And I was like, literally, I've got life savings. I'll book the studio. We'll go to Motor Museum because we... Joe's a massive Oasis fan. Again, random. Um, and like Brim of the Horizon have recorded there and stuff. And we were speaking to like Loic and who was the mastering engineer on the on the on the record. And um Bob McKenzie was our sound guy. Uh well, he was our engineer. And him and Joe ended up like co-producing the entire album. And we met him like the first day and we just completely clicked with him. We were like, oh my God. And he just got it. And also he wasn't from like a rock background. He wasn't like trying to be rock and roll. He wasn't, he worked at real world now. Do you know what I mean? Like he was so, he was so like far out. Like he had these like little dungarees and then these like cool trainers and like a little beanie and these mad socks. And I was like, he's so cool. And he's not, he's nothing like us. And we loved that. It was so good. So obviously like, we come out of lockdown, we've got these songs. I get asked to go on The Voice. Mm. So I auditioned the first year of lockdown, the, the like 2020, the very beginning. And I thought, I need to stay relevant and nothing is happening at the minute. So I was like, they said, you want to audition for The Voice? I auditioned when I was like 16. Um, and I was like, you know what? I've come a long way since then. Mm. I was like, come on, we'll have a go. And I was going on as like the token rock vocalist. Now, unbeknownst to me, they already had a token rock vocalist that year, and it was Kim Janet, which I went to uni with Kim, um, really good friends with Kim. So I was like, this is like, what a mad, mad turnaround. Mm. The next year they ring and they say, do you want to come and audition again? And I was like, not really. I was literally like, I've done it twice now. You don't, you're not interested. You don't want it. I'm going to get to the same place that I got to the last two times. I'm not interested. And they're like, please please audition. And I was like, right, okay, then I'll audition. I'm going to, I finished work at two o'clock. They were like, can you do three? I was in my work uniform. I worked at a dog place. I worked at a doggy daycare. I was covered like mud up to my knees, covered in dog hair, bun on my head. Horrendous. Looked like this. I was awful. So I just, and then I got through and they were like, we want you to invite you down to London. And I was like, I can't believe I just did an audition like that. <laughs> I did like flat bottom girls on my guitar and I did You and I by Lady Gaga and they were like they were into it because I think I changed the songs so much mm. um, and then I went down to London did that like pre-audition thing but I don't know why that's a thing I think they just make, basically take you down to London to like check you're not weird I don't really know but I mean I don't know how I got through that net but <laughs> um, 
So we did all, obviously the voice happened over that summer mm. while me and Joe are like still writing bits and doing bits. Then we get in the studio and record the first half of the album. We went for a week and I literally, I got knocked out of the voice on the Monday, on the Sunday, I think it was. And on the Monday, I was like on the train to Liverpool to start recording the album. It was literally like straight away. And that was the November 2021. And then I would, I'd basically planned everything. I got it all like running that we'd release our first single in March. I was like, that is enough time for it mixed, mastered, the music video made, whatever. We'd never made a music video. Mm. And in this time of like coming out of lockdown, doing all the bits, Brett messaged me and said, do you need a saxophone player? And I replied, no. <laughs> and I was like, do you play anything else? He was like, I play bass. I was like, well, we do need a bass player. So Brett toddles along to practice. We have like a little jam. He brings Alex with him. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and Brett was like, this is my friend Alex. He plays guitar. And I was like, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Why not? Fuck out one. <laughs> um, so anyway, Alex, we, we just gelled so well. Like the four of us really, really gelled. And I was worried about Joe and Alex like clashing because, but Alex is so like, 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 older and wiser and like more mature emotionally then he just lets joe be a child and the the exchange is beautiful it really is um but then the voice obviously took a year to air now we thought that the voice was coming out in march which is what i was gunning for with the first single it ended up being the voice came out the album came out we went on tour which could not have worked better if we had tried but the whole 12 months has just been well, it's 18 months now, isn't it? The mm. whole 12 months has been, like, wild. Mo we I met Mark, our manager, when I was, like, 10 years ago. And um, he was, like, the catalyst that kind of... I'm, like, I'm the, I was driving force behind the band. I was like, come on, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to get merch, we need to do videos, we need to do this, that, other. Mark came in and just, like, matched my energy and more. And he was like, right, we need to be doing this. We need to do this. And he was like, what is your goal? And I was like, I want a Grammy. And he was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, maybe we should walk before we run. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, if, if Lizzie Hale's got a Grammy, I want a Grammy. <laughs> and I was always like super duper, super duper. I wanted him to be aware that we weren't like shooting here. Like we were shooting here. Like, mm. I wanted like international touring band, not like, I mean, nothing, there's nothing wrong with being like a UK touring band, but that wasn't my Glastonbury. Do you know what I mean? That wasn't mm. my, my dream. So this 12 months has like really set us up for like a really good run. And it's been, I think better than we ever imagined. Um, but also everything we wanted. So it's kind of like come into fruition, I suppose. Because mm, I mean, from from the other side, the fans' perspective, it's like you've you've come out of nowhere. You know, you've done a bit of telly, you came out, bang! Here's an album, yeah. here's a headline tour, uh, here's an award for best new band. I mean, you're about to go. In, by the time this comes out, tomorrow it will be at the time of release when you go and play Stone Dead Festival on the Friday. Yeah. Then after that, a bit later, you're going to go and play with the Answer, who. Like one of my personal favorite bands from when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and it's like you know there's there's it feels a bit of a juggernaut here you know it's it just keeps going doesn't it at the minute <laughs> yeah it's um the thing is as i said to mark mark was like i was like why don't bands do like a debut headline tour like why doesn't that happen he's like money mm. and i'm like well then we can fix that and i'm such like a, a problem somebody tells me i can't like now i've got to do you know what I mean? yeah yeah <laughs> that i can't like i've got to do it like and I think that was the whole thing with the the voice. Like everyone was like, "What are you gonna do? Be on telly?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so I think it's just been it's just been like a whirlwind. But there it there is no like I don't really know what to say. I think like there's a quote that I live by, and it's self doubt kill more dreams than failure ever will. Mm. And I think, like, if you don't give yourself the chance to even fail, like, we could have gone out on a headline tour in November, sold no shows out, played to 11 people the entire 10 dates, and we still would have learned something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, mm. you've just got a... And there's an, also another quote. I'm a big quoter. Um, and it's a Chris Stapleton quote, and I've got half of it tattooed on my back. And the quote is, nobody wins afraid of losing. And I feel like it, people and, the like upcoming bands are so like scared of well what like people saying like you shouldn't release an album because the only time you want to release an album is when it's going to chart mm. i don't give a fuck about the charts i'm gonna be honest like i don't <laughs> care like i'd rather be playing to like ten thousand people and like just like being super like playing live is what we want to do and like being mm. super successful to me that's what that is so like i don't give a shit about the charts so people are like oh the album like won't chart or like Maybe you won't sell tickets. I'm like, maybe we won't, but maybe we will. Maybe I'll work really hard to sell tickets. And we're really, really lucky with the team that we've got around us because it's not just us. Like, we write the songs and we obviously record the songs and play them live. <clears throat> but we've got an incredible sound engineer, Matt, who's got his finger in every single pie you could possibly ever think of. I'm like, Matt, I need an, I need new leads. He's like, I've got a man at Stag that can get you leads. <laughs> like, of course you have. Um... He's like got a man in the deli in Hagley that like gets like really nice pork pies or whatever. Like he's just got a finger in every pie, literally. Mark, our manager, just creme de la creme. We've got a great touring team. We've got like Eve on the merch, Big Max tour managing. We've got like this incredible team and then Planet Rock to come on board and just mm-hmm. really, really, I mean, they're obviously known for supporting boarding bands, but like for us to be one of them is really, really cool. And for the, the, award to be fan voted we've got hardcore fans and i love them love them they're like all up in our stuff and i'm I'm so into it i'm like they've come like with stories and like there's a lady that's got like my signature tattooed on the back of her neck that's wow but like i'm like imagine like music is supposed to move people and it's supposed Mm -hmm. to make people like feel things and like when people are physically showing that being at the shows and just being wild i'm like we're doing something right this, we're on the right track. This is, it's working. Obviously you mentioned a bit there, you know, playing live touring. That's the thing that you want. Um, do you have a favorite song like playing live? Obviously playing live has a different uh, feel. Yeah. I mean, right. So I've got ADHD and I get bored real quick. And um, I was ready. Like me, Joe was writing, Joe was writing, we came, we we did the second half of the album in April last year. Mm. And Joe was literally writing in June. Like he was he was ready. He was writing the, he's writing the third album now. Like it's 
well, we're right, we're still right with the second album, but like he's got what songs that he's like, right, that's not quite ready and it won't be ready in time, so that can go on the third album. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Joe is so ahead of the curve. And I think um like I love playing the new songs at the minute. Mm. But I know that once we get a new new song, that's gonna be my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like I don't know, they all hold a candle for me. Um never gonna stay, I think is the boy's favourite. And I think it's... The Don't Make Me Choose Between This and You is obviously, like, it was present in the studio, that lyric, but on stage it's, like, a whole different... It's, like, a whole different vibe. Mm. And this, like, these new songs that we're playing now are my favourite ones, I think. I don't know whether it's because we've been playing the album for a year now or if these new songs are better than the last album, which I hope they are. Um... But there's like it's proper girl power anthems and like my experience over the last twelve months and like a Nashville saying is like like write, live the life you want to write about and I think like the past twelve months definitely comes out in these songs and there's quite like a girl power anthem um there's a few of them actually so I feel like they're gonna go off live when the album comes out and everyone knows them I hope so anyway I hope so. Obviously, you mentioned a little bit there of a potential second album. Is that something that you'd be looking at doing next year, perhaps? And we're in, we're in recording the album in September. Yeah, in three weeks now, we, we're recording the second album. We were going to go, like I mentioned earlier, with a label, but we decided mm. to be independent for this one um, just because I'm I'm like I'm very aware of like protecting our like integrity as musicians and. The music industry is just a, a full of shark, like it's just a full shark tank. There is really, really nice people and there's really, really nice, but like the minefield of contracts and clauses and loopholes mm. is just next level. And I think like I want to like, keep our innocence and I'll like just be able to just like go and record songs and release them and like not have to worry about writing to a brief or what we should try to be and like where, whether we're doing it right or that we don't own the songs or do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I think just to go and do like an organic little album process will be really good. I'm really excited. Really excited. Mm. I, I think it's, you know, I, I mean, we're seeing it more and more now, you know, artists going independent because I mean, do, do you, do you feel, you know, you've got that, that freedom. I mean, I imagine you don't want to lose it now that you've had a taste of that. Like I can kind of do what I want. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about doing what I want as well. Like, that's probably <laughs> um, But I'm like, I do what I want. Even when the boy's like, do you need help with carrying that? I'm like, I can do myself. And like, <laughs> like, like, fiercely independent, even just like cutting my nose off to spite my face. But um, yeah, like we were weighing it up and I was speaking to our manager, Mark. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. The right record label comes along with the right mm. spiel and the right deal. That rhymes. Um, I feel like... I would be, they're going to say, here's loads of money to record an album, make great videos, travel, tour, here's loads of opportunities, loads of contacts, like loads of incredible things that you can go and do and see and like a plethora of knowledge that you can tap into. Mm. And I'm all for that. But like right now, like Lark and Poe are independent. So are Dirty Honey. And they're doing pretty okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see where the wind takes us. Maybe it's a future in the music industry. Maybe we'll all we'll just be self-employed forever. <laughs> Atlantic will go bump. 
now they're like with billions or something on me. <laughs> um, a question I always like to to finish on and ask every guest that comes on. It's a bit of a hypothetical one. Uh, if you could tour with one band from the past and one band from the present, who would they be? With one band from the past, mm, everybody struggled. Yeah, one from the past, one from today. <laughs> Can I have two? Go on, go for I it. Two, because <laughs> one Fleetwood Mac. Imagine if you were a fly on the wall, insane. Also, you would have had the wildest time, the best time to tour in the entire world. All the drugs, all the drinks, <laughs> all, the things, all the drama. Like who that you'd come back like a different person. That would be like a soul searching experience. Um, or the other the other band, and probably just because like imagine the shows. Also, like imagine like absorbing like like that musicianship, Queen. Mm. Like imagine and imagine like if you could tour with them like their entire career. Like imagine the early days, like the Harlequin suit, long hair, to mm. yellow jacket, mustache. Like that would just wild and like like live aid and like all that stuff I imagine how wild that would be just like i, I don't know if am i crew am i crew while i'm touring or are we support the band you can support them well, it's your tour so okay okay it's, it's, i'm playing yes okay <laughs> i'm like and everybody welcome to the stage freddie mercury and then we go into a song imagine imagine i know so cool and then one one from the present yeah one from today one from today on a personal level like if you put this to a vote the boys would have very very different like ideals but um it would be obviously hailstorm i think she is like bow down bow down bitches like she's so so good and also she's known for taking a a female support out of the pretty reckless warning or evanescence she is my like between like stevie nicks and amy lee Mm. that is my like rock influence vocally as along with like that to be fair i love steve perry from journey and i love danny bowes from thunder so like if you could just mix them four people like in a mixing bowl and like put them in my vocal cords that would be it'd be weird but i think it'd be great be an interesting yeah, combination probably evanescence i think like imagine like the stories that she's got as well and like mm. she just like, imagine just being in a room with her for an hour as a singer. Like, she's next level. She's so good. Oh, wait, can I change? I Go love on. Jelly Roll at the minute. Jelly Roll and Bunny. I want to meet Bunny. Or maybe Chris Stapleton. I can't, I can't choose. <laughs> I can't choose. So we, we've got a, an extensive tour because yeah. we're going to have a number of people. <laughs> Maybe we should just go on like one big tour because it's quite like an eclectic mix there. It's a bit like our album. Yeah. Like Evanescence to Christmas. <laughs> Same band. Same band <laughs> um, for those that want to check out Kira Mac, of course, uh, you can catch them at Stone Dead tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night on the Friday. Uh, and in a few months' time with The Answer all over the country. Um, the link is in the description below to grab the album, uh, Chaos is Calling. And uh, for anything else that you want to get t shirts and whatnot, uh, just click the link. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank <laughs> you.